0: Thank you for joining us today. I'm Don Lintzman, the host of the Here's to Your Health podcast. And uh, I'm on the phone today with Dr. John Hoagland. Dr. Hoagland is an OD, otherwise known as a doctor of optometry. And uh, Dr. Hoagland is here at Vision Care Clinic in uh, Denison. And uh, Dr. Hoagland, thank you for joining me
1: today. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to get a chance to talk about something Vision.
0: John, this is uh, Vision Month, uh, and it's actually AMD and Low Vision Month. uh, And it's uh, it's an awareness of the difficulties that people have with their vision as they get older. And as somebody who's older, and and honestly, I'm grateful that I don't have AMD. At least I don't think I do. I probably should come (laughs) see you soon. I don't think I do, but let's talk about this a little bit, because it is a problem that afflicts a lot of people once they get past the age of about 50 or so. Tell us a little bit about age-related macular degeneration, or AMD.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So age-related macular degeneration is something that's very top of mind for us um, because of the prevalence in our demographic. So it's a disease that impacts the central vision typically, um, causing a loss of visual clarity. It, It impacts the ability to distinguish those fine details and can affect your color perception as well. Whether you're looking at something close or far, um, it can affect both of those things. Typically, the peripheral or side vision still remains intact. So you can imagine if you were looking at a clock, a clock that had hands, one of the old <laughs> old clocks with hands on it, that when you look at that clock, you may see some of the numbers, but that central area with the hands would be missing, distorted, or possibly even even blocked or hazy. And so it's uh, startlingly common, and it's something that we're always thinking about, especially in this area. Some of our risk factors include age, uh, Caucasian, heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes. So here in Denison, Iowa, Crawford County, and even across all of our office locations in west central Iowa, macular degeneration is one of the, the primary things that we're looking at and evaluating along with so many other things that we're we're taking a look for as we go through our comprehensive eye exams. And it's something that we continue to invest in technology towards the diagnosis, uh, discovery, and uh, look to the options of the future for possible treatment. It is a leading cause of vision in people 50 years and older.
0: Dr. Hoagland, in in my brief research on this topic, prior to our uh, podcast today, It came to my attention that there's actually two kinds of age-related macular degeneration, one that's called dry AMD and one that's called wet AMD, and maybe you can share with our our listening audience today a little bit of uh, what, what that is and how they differ.
1: Wonderful question. We get this question a lot in the clinic as well. Whether it's a friend that they know, whether it's a parent or a sibling, often our patients are inquiring about I've heard about macular degeneration. You know, my friend, my parent, they get shots in their eyes. What's that for? And am I gonna need that if I have macular degeneration? So dry macular degeneration is the more common form. About 80% of people with macular degeneration have dry macular degeneration. And that's a process where parts of that area of the central vision get thinner and brittle with age deposits of waste products called drusen form in the deeper layers of the retina. Typically the dry form of macular degeneration is slower and progresses over years, and it's something that we actively work towards managing and mitigating risk factors. So some of those same risk factors that we talked about before, and some risk factors that I think we'll dig into a little bit deeper. But the dry stage is really where we're we're working on risk factor mitigation, and there's actually no proven medication to treat the dry form of macular degeneration, it becomes monitoring and risk factor management for dry macular degeneration. Wet macular degeneration, on the other hand, is less common, thankfully, but it can be much more serious. Wet macular degeneration degeneration, excuse me, is a, a process where new abnormal blood vessels start to push on that wall layer underneath the retina, creating breaks They can even grow into the retina where they leak and bleed causing significant changes to the quality and clarity of the vision over short periods of time. Many patients will come in and tell us they had a sudden change in their vision and then we find some of these changes, whether it's bleeding or fluid leaking in that area of central vision. It can be very devastating very quickly which makes this form more serious and it can cause scarring ultimately Uh, over time and that scarring can lead to significant vision loss. So we have to be a lot more aggressive and a lot more urgent with the wet form of macular degeneration. And not necessarily all cases of dry macular degeneration go on to become wet macular degeneration, but once you become, once you enter into the wet macular degeneration side of the spectrum, um, that is severe disease and we are typically managing care for that with a retinal specialist. Um, using some medications to try and alleviate some of the visual changes and preserve vision as long as possible. So wet macular degeneration is something where we're referring and treating that form of the disease. Dry macular degeneration revolves around risk management and monitoring.
0: Thank you for joining us today on the Here's to Your Health podcast. I'm your host, Don Luntzman. My guest on the podcast today is Dr. John Hoagland from Vision Care Clinic. Dr. Hoagland is a doctor of optometry and we're talking about uh, AMD, age-related macular degeneration and low vision because that is uh, what we're doing here in February, trying to build awareness about these two things that have to do uh, with our eyesight. So you talked a little bit about uh, risk factors for macular degeneration, uh, Dr. Hoagland, perhaps you can outline for us a little bit more specifically exactly you know, what those um, uh, risk factors are for, for those of us who are listening today.
1: That's a wonderful question. Usually when I'm talking about risk factors for macular degeneration, I'm stratifying them into two categories. Modifiable risk factors, things that we can control, and risk factors that we can't really control. Unfortunately, the biggest risk factor for macular degeneration degeneration is age, which is a number and a factor we can't control. But close following behind that is smoking. Smoking is the number one modifiable risk factor uh, associated with macular degeneration. Current smokers are exposed to two or three times higher risk for macular degeneration development, but also are at much higher risk for that disease to progress more quickly. Your risk obviously also increases with the intensity and amount of smoking. So that's one of the main things that we're talking about with many of our patients that come in with early changes is smoking cessation, quitting smoking, is one of the number one ways that they can help protect and preserve their vision. And even for those folks out there who maybe are still smoking and don't have any signs of macular degeneration, again, stopping smoking can be very protective um, from some of those changes developing over time. Interestingly, alcohol consumption is not associated with any modification in risk for macular macular degeneration, and so nutrition is the final risk factor that we talk a lot about and vitamins is one of the things that is, is widely known to help preserve the vision in cases where we see early macular degeneration changes. So we're talking a lot about different vitamins and supplements for the eyes with our patients as well, especially those with a family history or with early signs or findings in the retina.
0: So if I'm listening today, uh, Dr. Hoagland, uh, probably most people are thinking to themselves, okay, well, I don't maybe have any of those things right now, but what what kind of red flags should I be looking for that might be the very first indication, a sign, that potentially I could be at risk for AMD?
1: Another wonderful question here. So unfortunately, some of the earliest signs are asymptomatic, which means you're not really going to notice those changes. Those early findings in the retina are things that we're looking for and that we're able to evaluate on that yearly comprehensive eye exam, which is why checking in with your eye doctor is so important. And making sure that they're giving you a thorough exam that involves a thorough check of the retina as well, whether that's retinal imaging or dilation. At Vision Care Clinic, we're utilizing both of those things on a regular basis with folks There's a new test as well called a dark adaptation test, and that's something else that allows us to assess your risk further before you notice any symptoms. But if you're someone who hasn't been to the eye doctor in a while, life's gotten busy, and things have gotten away from you, some common symptoms that do signify possible early macular degeneration changes would be sudden changes in the quality of your vision, general blurriness, general haze, especially centrally at what you're looking at, Many people will notice this with reading or up close work, computer, cell phone, because that's when you're using that very central vision to look at specific details. Other symptoms can include additional glare and light sensitivity at night, um, or sometimes straight lines start to become wavy or look distorted. So when you're looking at the telephone pole down the road, there's a strange bend in the middle of the telephone pole that can be a sign that something's changed in the central vision ultimately the best way to continue to guard from these early changes is to have that yearly comprehensive eye exam. But other things that you may notice would be that change in the clarity of the vision, the quality of the details, um, abnormal curves in what would normally be straight lines, or even some of that additional glare and light sensitivity at night.
0: I'm Don Lintzman, the host for the Here's to Your Health podcast. My guest today is Dr. John Hoagland from Vision Care Clinic. We're talking about age-related macular degeneration and low vision because that's the awareness uh, that we're trying to build during the month of uh, February. Uh, John, a a couple questions maybe that kind of go together here a little bit. How long, and you touched on this briefly earlier, how long does it take uh, age-related macular degeneration to progress and then are there any medications that people might currently be taking that might actually affect that disease in terms of perhaps even accelerating it?
1: Great question. So, again, most people start out in the dry form of age-related macular degeneration, and there's many risk factors including genetics, smoking status, nutrition, other health concerns such as blood pressure and cholesterol that can really drive that to progress more quickly in some cases to either more severe dry macular degeneration or wet macular degeneration degeneration as well. And it happens in really three stages for the dry side. Early stages where it's asymptomatic, you're probably not noticing changes to your vision, not having trouble with most things, but we're starting to see signs of changes and structural features in the retina that signify that early development of macular degeneration. Then we have an intermediate stage where the signs start to get significantly worse. You have some of those early symptoms, especially nighttime glare, light sensitivity, maybe just a little bit of haziness or fuzz to the vision, ultimately progressing to the later stages where you have missing vision in the center and nerve loss, nerve tissue damage and scarring even, which can happen more quickly in wet stages, but uh, can also happen in late stage for dry disease. So obviously controlling our risk factors is kind of the main thing that we're focused on and that tends to help slow the progression. But it can happen in in different paces for different people. And again, there's a lot of thought that there are genetics that we don't fully understand yet that are probably driving that rate of change. But uh, it's always something that we love to have conversations with folks about as far as what their options are, what ways we can change and modify their lifestyle, as well as maybe adding vitamins Even thinking about additional sun protection or blue light protection are other things that we're discussing. As far as medications that increase risk, we know there are some uh, eye drops, especially eye drops for lowering eye pressure that have been associated with an increased risk for macular degeneration, as well as some blood pressure medications and NSAIDs, or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. However, most medications don't carry a significant increase in the risk for macular degeneration. So really, we primarily think about some of the health features such as blood pressure, diabetes, cholesterol, and then we also think about smoking. General well-being and general nutrition play a major role as well.
0: You know, I think that probably, if for, especially for pe- older people like myself who are listening to your explanation on this topic today are thinking one thing and one thing only, and that is. Can I still drive <laughs> with age-related <laughs> macular degeneration? Because let's face it, our mobility, our independence, really depends upon our ability to get behind the wheel and drive wherever it is that we need to go, whether that's a grocery store, shopping, visiting relatives, whatever the case might happen to be. How, how, does, how, how, does, uh, how, how does this affect our ability to drive? And would potentially would eyeglasses be one of those solutions that people would have to look at?
1: Yeah, that's another really common question that we get is about driving, right? That's one of the most important features of our independence that we have, like you mentioned, especially in those later years, and you hear all the time about, well, so-and-so can't drive anymore because there's something going on with their eyes. Having macular degeneration does not automatically mean that you have to stop driving. Many people still meet the legal requirements to continue to drive safely, and can do so very, very well, especially on the earlier end of the spectrum. And that's where, honestly, coming in and getting your eyes checked and knowing your risk factors, knowing if we see some of those early changes and making some of those risk factor modifications can actually allow you to preserve that vision and drive for a lot longer. Once we get into the intermediate to late stages of the disease, depending upon how good the vision is in one eye or the other, or both together, sometimes glasses can be an option. Sometimes getting that really best crystal clear vision with a pair of glasses, even if it's not a perfect 2020, if we can improve that vision with glasses a little bit, that can also be a measure to continue to allow you to drive as long as possible. So glasses are an option still in macular degeneration. And just because you have AMD does not necessarily mean that you will have to stop driving. And if that's one of the reasons why you may be delaying or not seeking care because you're nervous that that driver's license is gonna get taken away, I just wanna put everyone's mind at ease. We're certainly not here to try and take things away from folks, We're, we're only taking away driver's license as a last resort when we truly feel that it's not safe for folks to be out there driving. And unfortunately, macular degeneration is one of the common reasons why folks do have to stop driving. But again, we're in a wonderful age where we have good technologies, where we can find the risk factors sooner, and we can mitigate that risk over time to preserve that vision and to continue to keep people driving as long as possible. And so while macular degeneration is one factor that may prevent some folks from driving, we have had really good success at our clinic in preserving the vision and maintaining that independence for driving. And just because you have AMD does not mean that you have to stop driving at that time and oftentimes, glasses can help. They can be a stopgap in that early disease to just improve the vision just slightly better, um, and continue to allow folks to qualify for driving.
0: And I, and I think the big takeaway from our discussion today, John, is really that people need to schedule their uh, their vision uh, examination at least once a year in order to be able to make certain that there, if there is a, a problem, that we catch it and treat it early.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. The most important thing in regard to macular degeneration is having an understanding, knowing early on where your risk factors are, and making sure that you have you have an eye care provider who's doing a thorough job at examining your eyes for the health components as well. And again, I think in, our, in today's age, um, that includes dilation and retinal imaging, uh, photography of the eyes. I think that's just an essential part of making sure that you're really getting everything out of your eye check and evaluation and you're really getting the full thorough evaluation that you deserve to make sure that you that we aren't overlooking any risk factors and making small changes now that could make a lifetime of difference later on down the road my guest on the podcast today has
0: been John Hoagland. John is a doctor of optometry at Vision Care Clinic, and we've been talking about uh, age-related macular degeneration and low vision, because that's what February is, it's, a, it's an awareness of that. And uh, Dr. Hoagland, thank you very much for joining me today, I appreciate it very much.
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited, this is a really important topic, especially in our area. So can't spend enough time talking about and making people aware about macular degeneration. And as we continue to have better understanding of the risk factors and better treatments, it will continue to be something that's going to be in the news, on TV, in advertisements. So we're just excited for the opportunity to kind of speak on the topic um, and let all the listeners out there get a little bit more insight into AMD and all of the ins and outs of macular degeneration. Thank you.
0: I'm Don Lintzman. I'm the host for the Here's to Your Health podcast. At Crawford County Memorial Hospital, we care for life.